I'm Arya Schwartz along with Eli Horowitz. Welcome to the WNBA Insider Podcast. A six-week deep dive into each team of the WNBA. This week, we got the Storm and the Mercury. Eli, say hi to the folks. What's up? Real quickly, a free agency update. Not much has happened, guys. I'm going to keep it real. Cappy signed with L.A., We'll talk about that when we get back to L.A. There's some cool implications there, but I don't really think that that's a shocker or a game changer. Chicago similarly made a few signings, nothing big there. Let's start with the Storm. This is a young team. A lot of people had high expectations for them Yes, last year, and now that they should be competing for a middle spot considering after the coaching change midseason, they were able to make a late-season push and make it into the playoffs. So the real questions. Can Lloyd, Stewie, and Bird really bring this team to a top level? They've added basically one player in the offseason, re-signed some people, but they lost their best defender from last year in Ramu Takashki. Hope I got that name right. Eli, looking at the stats, you know, we've been chatting about what this team can kind of do better. Their biggest weakness last year was their defense. Looking at that with a young team that, you know, has a really skilled player in Stewie, and then they have that vet savvy, you know, person with Bird. You got Lloyd who can really run around. I know you got some takes on her that a lot of people aren't willing to say. Let's get your get your toes wet. Let me hear what you think about the storm. Well, I, I see the Seattle Storm's biggest weakness is their perimeter defense. So specifically Jewel Lloyd and Sue Bird. Um, if we look at the pick and roll, defending the pick and roll, Jewel Lloyd is 20th percentile below average. And Sue Bird was 30th percentile below average. And it's a big problem when your two starting guards um, get eaten alive in the pick and roll. And diving into the film, they, you know, they did a little bit of both. They'd go over screens, they'd go under screens. But the biggest problem I saw was a lot, they would just die on screens. And so then you're putting Brianna Stewart or Crystal Langhorn in a two-on-one situation where you have a guard attacking them and a big man rolling or popping out with Lloyd and Bird just out of the equation, just getting hit by the screen and not able to recover over or under. And so I'm concerned because I feel like regardless of who's the coach, that's going to be an issue if you have a weak point of attack defense. Yeah, I think, I mean... You can definitely give some insight on this. I think something that could be positive with them is pushing the pace a little bit. Um, You know, playing not necessarily full court press, but, you know, something that's going to take advantage of, you know, or not take advantage, but kind of reduce the advantage of having such size on them on weak defense on them. So, you know, maybe you get those two perimeter protectors to, to be pushing it. You know, the second they cross half court, you're up in their face trying to get a few, a few more transition balls. Um, I know having an old, it, we've spoken about this, transition ball was their best aspect of defense, correct? Yeah. But something that was their weakest on offense was transition ball because you have someone, like you said, or like you've told me, Sue Bird, you know, getting up there in age, isn't as mobile as she used to be. You have a very powerful offensive team that their biggest weakness was their defense and their inability to just stop the bleeding from other teams. Like they, they could put up points, but if someone was going to lock them down on defense, they're still like they the score is going to get run up and they couldn't handle the shootout. If that makes sense. Yeah. And you know, I, I actually like Langhorn and Stewart as like a defensive 
front court. I mean, it's not the biggest in the league, but they're active. They're mobile. Um, Courtney, they're adding Courtney Paris to the mix, who is not mobile, but you know, I think Langhorn and Stewart are mobile enough. Where Paris, I guess, gives a bit of a different look. At minimum, she can come in and at least be a body, somebody who can pick up fouls, um, play some minutes. But again, it's just if Lloyd and Bird are going to be attacked in the pick and roll consistently, this team is going to have problems defending. They're going to have to figure out a scheme that hides it. Um, you know, I don't think we talk enough about that in the WNBA. Um, again, not to compare to the NBA, but we talk about some smaller guards sometimes, like an Isaiah Thomas, where it's not even a matter of effort. They're just small. And I, when I look at the Storm's backcourt, it feels like everyone's playing a position down, if that makes sense. Like, Jewel Lloyd is more the size of a one, but is playing the two because they have Sue Bird. Clark, you know, she's kind of playing the three, a little four, but she's not that big herself. Like, in some ways, she's more of a two. So I think they're just really small defensively on the perimeter. And looking at their roster, I just really don't see how they're going to change that significantly. Yeah, I mean, I think something that that could help them is doing a little bit of of subbing, you know, players that are going to be defensive specialists to get them in there. Because if you're looking at their bench, I mean, overall, the, if you want to look for players to fill their their deficiencies, right? And I'm just looking at offensively, you have bench players that can come in and still produce offensively. Now, I'm not suggesting something crazy, you know, bench Sue Bird or don't play Jewel Lloyd. Because I think that's not even an option considering who the team is and their identity and just what those players mean to the team and how they work. But there are some players that need to get some other minutes. You know, Alexis Peterson, she's a rookie, horrible offensive season last year. But get some other players in there. You know, get Wickham some time out there. Alicia Alicia Clark um, can also definitely produce offensively. She's kind of weak defensively also, but... You know, there's there's different players that are going to give you different positives, and I think you need to try and find a kind of one way that works, what, something that's going to make, okay, this is our defensive lineup. The, I know when we're bleeding and we need to throw something together to just stop them and get the ball rolling our way that this these people can do that. Um, is there anybody who defensively really stands out? I know you're big on a few players like Noel Quinn. Um Alexis Peterson had an amazing defensive season last year. Is there is there anybody who stands out to you uh, for somebody to watch on this team? I mean, obviously, Brianna Stewart. I think she's going to continue to get better. I think she can guard centers or fours and even switch out on the perimeter. Um, you know, and I think maybe that's something they can look at. Now, I don't think they can switch very much because, again, Bird and... Lloyd are so small, but maybe, you know, late in a shot clock, if a team's going to run pick and roll and there's only four or five seconds left on the shot clock, maybe you have, maybe you have Langhorn and Stewart just switch out onto those guards and just make it a little bit more difficult um, in a short shot clock situation. But just watching the film, I got to be honest. I mean, Bird and Lloyd are just dying on screens completely. I mean, completely, you know, and, um, Again, there's no scheme that can fix that. If you switch, now how are they going to guard, you know, bigs? If you go over, you're just dead on the screen. If you go under, 
the guard's just going to pull up and shoot a three. Now, maybe going under is the best scheme for them because it's going to force teams to have to shoot threes, which I personally as a coach don't like, but maybe against certain teams and certain players, you know, maybe against Alasia Clarendon, for example, you just go under and make her shoot. Maybe that's something that would hide some of the deficiencies of their backcourt defense. Well, so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, how can, you know, you were talking about Stewie growing, and I, I agree that she's definitely going to grow. This is, what, her third or fourth season. So she's definitely got more upside. She hasn't reached her full potential. She's going to be a dominant force in this league uh, for years to come. Something that I'm thinking is, all right, you got a new coach. How can you create a game plan that's really going to be catered to Stewie's needs? And something we've discussed is, you know, she has unique ability. She's a very skilled defender who, like you said, you feel could play the five and take on centers in this league because, yes, she might not be as as strong or have the same size, but she's savvy enough on defense to make some, some, uh, some educated and, and some positive plays that will kind of cover that up. But she can also run out to cover, you know, other areas of the court that most centers can't. So what can the Storm do as far as game planning to properly use Brianna Stewart, because if she's playing as the four versus playing as the center, or you have someone like Crystal Langhorn, who maybe on the way they're playing, Langhorn's the, the forward and Stewie's the center, but the, t- the other team they're playing defensively can just say, no, we're going to put our, our, our forward on Stewie because she's more mobile. You want to like, force Stewie to be covered by the center so that you can kind of draw her out and force her out of their, her comfort of the paint. Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum because Langhorn had a really productive season and she's really efficient offensive player, but she doesn't, you know, she's more in the paint. And so, you know, one thing like we've talked about in other podcasts is the ability to put Stewart at the five around shooters and really spread the floor. But then Langhorn is kind of clogging up some space, um, you know, but Langhorn is really efficient. So they kind of need her out there. Um, what I think is I would really try to run a lot of the offense through Stewart and use her more at the elbows. You know, let Langhorn post up, get the ball to Stewart at the elbows because she's such a great passer. You know, and the thing is, Sue Bird, as she gets, she's a really great, she's 39% from three. So I think they need to, what I would do is kind of take some of that ball handling load off of Sue Bird and hand it to Stewart, not as a ball handler, but as a facilitator. And what I mean by that is, you know, Bird can bring the ball up throw it into Stewart at the elbow, and then Bird can run into the corner and, and be kind of a shooter, right? She can be a spot shooter, and that also that will also um, kind of take some of the burden off Bird. And then maybe on the defensive end, she has a little bit more effort. So I think they should you know, really give Stewart a lot more responsibility just to run the offense as a passer at the elbows, even popping out to the three-point line. She shot 37% from three. She can attack the basket. She's a matchup nightmare. So she, to me, is the hardest player to guard on this team. You know, I mean, Jewel Lloyd in terms of a one-on-one, yes, she, you know, Lloyd is a very good one-on-one isolation scorer, but, she all, but, but she's also a bit predictable in what she's going to do. Stewart is just so versatile. I don't think there's a lot of players that can really guard her. So to me, she would be com- the complete focal point of the offense. I would make Sue Bird kind of – start to kind of transition to, to a spot-up shooter role. And really, if you know, like with Phoenix, Tarazi's really done that a lot too, 
right? Like she'll bring up the ball, but a lot of the game you'll see Leilani Mitchell bring up the ball or Robinson bring up the ball, and they'll use Tarazi almost as a two guard. So I think you could get some good mileage out of Sue Bird as a shooter, run the offense through Stewart, do some high-low with Langhorn, then let Lloyd get her touches kind of in a Kyrie Irving type of role to get hers and really attack the basket and kick kick to shooters. Um, and then Alicia Clark, you know, that's interesting. She's more of a mid-range. I think Alicia Clark needs to work on her three-point shot a little bit. She was at 33%. If she can get that up two, three, four percentages and stop taking so many mid-ranges, it's really going to help this team. Well, sorry, I just so let me lot. just ask. I know I just said a lot there. No, 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 I'm, I'm loving it. I just want to ask you: I, Is I, this I, the year? The reason I'm, I just, you know, I just word vomited about the offense is, I'll be honest. When I look at the defense, I just don't. Other than just more effort, I don't see how it's going to improve. Like I don't look at this. T- I don't think this team is going to be an elite defensive team. So, I think their best shot is to just really maximize their offense. So if they were fourth in offense rating last year, they need to be second. You know, if this is a top two offense and then maybe they can get their defense from ninth to sixth or, or to seventh, I think that's going to be the more realistic formula for this team to be a threat is to have a league average defense, but like a top two offense. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that, well, first of all, I wanted to ask you if you think this is the year of Stewie. Is this the year she takes over Seattle? And I mean, just takes the throne from uh, Sue Bird I mean, and kind of I mean, claims it comes to. into her own. She's their best player, in my opinion. Is that a hot, All right. is that a hot take? I don't think it's necessarily a hot take. I think people kind of want to treat her and with kid gloves and say that you know, like she's still got time to grow because you have a Sue Bird because you have a young player in Jewel Lloyd. But I I agree with you, and I think that it's something that needs to be said, which is this has to be the year of Stewie. If this team wants to be better, it can no longer be oh, we're splitting the load for her so that, you know, this team, she can properly grow or whatever. At a certain point, you know, step into your own. Uh, and this needs to be her year oh, yeah. if you're asking I mean, me. I don't know. If you ask me, their best two players are Stuart and Lloyd. And that's no disrespect to Sue Bird. as a She's had a much better career and is one of the best players in league history. But I'm saying right now in 2018, this needs to be Stuart's team followed by Lloyd. 100%. And and I I, I couldn't Bird agree. Can still have a good role because she's such a great shooter. Well, exactly. There's ways to still use her as she's you know on the descent of her career, and that's not a bad thing. You know, it's just like using her as it's just like role players. You use them in a specific way, and that's what you need to do with players like Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, and that's what the Lynx have been able to do, and that's what the Sparks have been able to do, and that's what good teams do if you want to prolong the careers of players that can have a, an extremely positive uh, impact on the court. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other good news is they have the fifth pick in the draft, so they're going to get an impact player. So that that's another factor that, um, you know, I think depth is an issue with this team. Like we said, they don't have a lot of good defensive players. I think maximizing their offense is the way to go, but they're going to get an impact player. So I wanted to ask you um, – Looking at their roster, they have a pretty set starting five, right? And then they have Courtney Paris, who's going to be a body off the bench. Um, they have Peterson. They have Whitcomb. You know, that's an eight. They have Mosqueda Lewis, Lewis, who's a liability defensively, but, you know, she can play 10 to 15 minutes and shoot. What do they need to address here with that fifth pick? Because, they, you know, 
they they might be able to get like a franchise type of player, frankly. That's how good this draft is if you're picking in the top six or seven. It's an interesting conundrum because I think, you know, often in the WNBA, you don't necessarily see yourself drafting somebody who, like, especially these days, because of the level of the college basketball players and the top picks in the draft, you know, Asia Wilson's going to make an immediate impact. Um, Kia Nurse, she could make an immediate impact. You know, there's there's so many players who are projected or are, are top in, in there and they're projected to go first. So if I'm a, a WNBA team, I think often you don't think, okay, could I draft this top-tier talent and have her not be a starter this year? And and even if she blows me away in training camp, have her not be a starter. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about as far as as with the with the storm, because I think it all right, part of me wants to say you draft someone who's just a lockdown energetic defender. Now an Elena Beard style defender, someone who can who can lock down and lock into somebody who's a top tier player. But if you're at, but I also want someone who can shoot. You know, you never want to say they're they're a singular player. But in my mind, I'm looking for someone to to either say fill in for Sue Bird or fill in for Jewel Lloyd, and Jewel Lloyd shifts over to fill in for Sue Bird. Well, that's what that's I, what I'm looking. That's at. what I wanted to ask you, and that's I think a big question. You know, should they be drafting a point guard? that's kind of going to be taken over for Sue Bird? Or should this team say, look, Jewel Lloyd was a point guard in college, right? And she's not very big. And that's what I think, like, that's my issue. Like, she really, like, Jewel Lloyd ideally needs to be guarding other point guards because she's of her size. But with Sue Bird there, she kind of has to guard twos. And so another option would then be guarding, sorry, would then be drafting a bigger guard with the idea that you would shift Jewel Lloyd over to the one eventually and then draft a bigger guard. That's what you need to do, though, I think. Because, I, in my opinion, I haven't spoken with the, the past Seattle coaching staffs. Um, but in my opinion, I think the reason, you know, that kind of was the idea. You know, Jewel Lloyd was going to be that person to replace Sue Bird, to come in when Sue Bird needs to rest and be that change of pace back, if you will. Um, but because when she got out there, she made a name for herself. She was lights out. She was tearing it up here and there. It became a thing where they just needed to play both of them. And and I do commend, you know, the staff for playing both of them. But I think a lot of people overlook the deficiencies that she had on defense and that being a huge aspect of why this team struggled in many ways. Um, if you're asking me, if I'm the GM, if I'm the coach, and I'm saying, all right, I know I have Jewel Lloyd, who's this young firecracker and can really do stuff, and then I have Sue Bird, who's kind of, I don't want to say on her way out, but she's on her way out, sorry. Uh, I'm thinking in my mind, I want someone who this year is going to be an off-the-bench, change of pace somebody, a bigger guard, who can fill that two role, and maybe on, if I want to play like a smaller lineup even, right. uh, while I have Sue Bird, she can play the three. Now, there's other people... You know, I'm looking at the Summit's mock draft and, and USA Today and others, and, you know, there's some people saying they need to draft a center because Crystal Langhorn is only six foot two. And I really like Langhorn. I think, you know, she's able to hold her own and especially as an efficient offensively, but she can't guard Brittany Griner, who's six eight. You know, it's very difficult to guard Tina Charles, John Coltrane. I mean, she's just undersized at the five 
And Stewart has the savvy and athleticism to guard those players, but she's but she's also going to get pushed around and get in foul trouble. And Courtney Paris is a if she's coming off the bench, I can live with it, but she's not a solution to start at center. So there's some people saying they need to draft a true center who can go in there, start next to start next to start next to Stewart, and who can actually bang with Griner um, and Fowles and Parker and Neca. You know, then you could bring Langhorn and Paris off the bench and Stewart wouldn't, you know, Stewart, like the way I look at it is Stewart, if you're in a playoff game and Stewart's just like, you need to put Stewart on Griner, you need to put her on fouls because she's moving her feet the best, you do it. But over the course of 34 regular season games, I wouldn't want Stewart to have to pick up fouls and have that responsibility. And so there's some people saying that with a fifth pick, they should be looking at a center and there's some good ones. The center from Mississippi State, you know, and they're, you know, number two in the nation right now, Tierra McCowan. Then you have the center from Russia who's supposed to be a project. But some people have her, like, draftsite.com has her second. Maria Vadivo, who's the kind of center from Russia, who people are saying are a bit more of a project. But McCowan's six foot seven, you know, and they just don't have. Someone, Mercedes Russell of Tennessee is six foot six. Um, you know, Asia Wilson obviously won't fall there, but she's six five. So I'm just trying to give you context to say like Langhorn's six two, and that's just, you know, it, it long term, she really is a four. Yeah. Well, answer me this. I mean, I I think this team has the ability to be running all over the place and with who they have, they could really do that. You're lacking without having Takashi. Okay, fine. They did add somebody in Natasha Howard over the offseason. And just, I want you to close your eyes and think about this. Brianna Stewart at the five, Natasha Howard at the four, or even vice versa. Um, running that, that is a, a slightly smaller lineup. Natasha Howard isn't, you know, a speedster down the court, but she's definitely mobile enough and athletic enough to be a flex. And to really give this team a smaller lineup that has some ability to do some stuff. She can get some rebounds. Or her stats last year weren't the greatest, but I think that had a lot to do with her role that she took on the links. But I think she has a lot of positives for this style of team. That's why I think it was a really good signing by Seattle. I know you probably disagree. You're not a, you're not the biggest Natasha Howard fan. No, I actually, uh, what no, are your thoughts, I, though? About- I think it is a good signing because she's 6'4 and athletic, and I think her and Stewart could be very interesting defensive combo because they're so mobile and that's a team that could really cause some problems but again like not big enough to handle some of the biggest in the league and to rely on Langhorn and Langhorn is just not tall enough at times and Paris is not mobile enough so that's that would be the argument of drafting a you know someone like you know McCowan who's six seven and it just can be that true traditional center um or Maria Vadivo, who's six seven, and and can really just do that. But you know, having said that, like there might be a guard like Kelsey Mitchell available at five. You know, Jordan Canada of UCLA, Lexi Brown of Duke, they're going to be there, and those are game changing guards. Lexi Brown is a five nine point guard. Um, so I, I don't know. They will answer me this. Obviously, depth. it's. They have cornerstone pieces in Stewart and Lloyd, but they're missing some depth at, at critical positions. And it's still yet to be determined if Stewart and Lloyd 
ceiling is high enough to be like true title contenders or do they need to be like your second and third best players? Well, that's why I, I wanted to ask you this, which is, well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think Stewie could be that face, but they've just been kind of babying her because of who else is on the team. But I think, start thinking about trades maybe. Obviously, it's WNBA. There's not a lot of trades or whatever. But if I'm Seattle and I see, okay, trade back into the second round to get even earlier, I mean, possibly at that point, you know, you take your first pick, you get a, a bigger guard who can really have an impact right away. And then with your second pick, you move in looking for a, a true center, someone who's a project. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to disagree. I think the fifth pick in this draft, you hold on. Um, oh, I'm not saying trade the, the if anything, pick. I'm know, saying, if, I, if anything, I'm saying I, would be, I would be offering the fifth pick and their second round pick to Indiana for the second pick. No, I don't think they'll do that, but I mean Indy would never do that. I'm I'm not saying trade the fifth pick. I don't think you can do that with how deep this draft is. Cause you can get you can decide. I'd rather be in a situation where I can decide I'm gonna pick up because I mean I don't think it's a crazy idea that they're looking at their two biggest weaknesses, a true center, which people hope they could get from Swords last year, or to get a guard that can really man up on some of the bigger guards in the league and have a defensive presence. Right. So, but if I'm them fifth pick, you, you know, you're probably not going bad. You can, you can sink your teeth into filling one of those holes. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it comes down to you take a point guard or you take a center. I think they have really good, you know, Clark Langhorn, Stewart, Lloyd, um, Wickham Peterson, I think they're pretty set on the wings. They need one more big. Howard and Paris are solid pieces off the bench, but long-term to have like a starting-level center or one more guard who you feel like can play next to Lloyd. But defense has to be a top priority there. Um, so uh, I, they have a lot to think about. This is not going to be easy. Um USA Today has them taking Lexi Brown. I've tweeted about her. She's one of my favorite guards in this draft, but she's a point guard. So, again, you know, defensively, how does that work with Lloyd? But we'll see. Yeah. Um, now's the time of the segment when we're talking about CL Storm that we're going to break down into a fan question. And I think this is something – this comes from Matthew Hallett. I'm probably getting it wrong. Merv Sports. Um he does some great coverage of women's basketball, WNBA. I know he's a huge fan, but he's also uh, the Australian League. He's a big fan over there. What he tweeted at us, will Sammy Wickham be given the freedom to develop into a consistent bench piece the Storm crave? She has the shooting and the defense. She's played very well for the Perth Lynx. Uh, what are your thoughts? Now, I don't think either of us can necessarily jump into will she be given the freedom because we don't know the style or what you know head coach has seen yet. So having a new coach, I think it's much more of a, is she the type of player that could, being a consistent bench piece, fill that need for this team? Because they definitely have that. Um, I saw some good things looking at the stats and what she's done, uh, what she was able to do last year, and looking at the stats. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm a huge fan of hers. But I think when you have a team like this, the question is, you know, can she step up being in a role that she's going to fight for minutes. You know, she's a guard forward. So, or at least that's how they describe her. She's 5'10". She, you know, 
can she be a flex? Can she be a bigger guard for when the team needs her? Or can she run it and push it on a smaller lineup as a forward? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I think she, she it, it never hurts to have shooting. She was 33% on threes last year. So I think she's someone who deserves to get minutes for shooting. But I feel like, you know, they also have Mosqueda Lewis kind of in that role. And both of them have some question marks on the defensive end. So I think, you know, it... Again, you always that that's kind of my take. I'll leave it at that on that one. I, I don't really have more to add. I think she should get ten minutes a game, and but I think with Mosqueda Lewis there too, I, there's almost only like they're kind of a redundant role, especially if neither of them are elite defensive players. That's my take. I hear it. So answer me this: Brandon Stewart's not on the team. Uh, Twenty eighteen season is done. Who was the MVP? Excluding Brandon Stewart. I, I mean, obviously she's on the team, but we're, obviously we've said we think she needs to be the MVP for this team to take a jump. Uh, who would be your MVP for this team besides Stewie? From last year? Who needs to be the number one? Uh, no, like oh, the roster that we have oh, now, obviously we can't Joel talk Boyd. about it. They, they, this team needs to, like we said, we, they need to. this year needs to be transitioning some of the responsibilities from Sue Bird onto Lloyd and Stewart. And like I said, Stewart can actually take on some of the point guard responsibilities as a passing facilitator from the elbows, you know? Um, this draft, though, I, I will say, this is a team to watch in the draft. What they do in the draft could have really big consequences um, because they might, if they go the guard route with Alexi Brown, it could be, you know, a very savvy move in that she could develop under Sue Bird. But then their lack of size could really hurt them, or vice versa. You know, maybe they need, maybe they take a big who's a project, but then they lose the opportunity to have Sue Bird mentor a young point guard. So I think that, what, like, my biggest takeaway before we move on to Phoenix is this team. This team needs to decide long term: is Jewel Lloyd a scorer, or or can she be a point guard? And I think if the answer is they look at her as a scorer, I think they really. I I would take. Lexi Brown or a point guard. I think having Bird there is just too invaluable. If you can get like a, a, a point guard of the future, I think you do it. I think Howard, Paris, Stewart, um, and Langhorn, it's good enough. They can get by there, you know, in terms of their front court. Um, they do need a center. I'm not saying they don't, but I, I'm tending to lead towards developing a guard with with a few years left in Sue Bird's career. Unless, like I said, as an organization, they say, no, Jewel Lloyd can move to the one when she retires. Then I say take a center. So, I, so does that kind of make sense? They, they need to answer that question first. Yeah, and just, you know, thinking about it out loud from the way you broke it down there, I think you have to take advantage of having Sue Bird on, on the, the back end of her career and – you know, maybe you try and pull her in. I don't know if she's spoken about whether or not she'd want to be a coach, but you can use that. It That's something that they have to take advantage of. Do you really want to have two fairly, I mean, one rookie, super young project at center and Stewie? Is Stewie ready to, you know, take on that big of a role where she's, you know, helping that person next to her also? Or do you want to draft someone who can be helped by Sue? And and obviously that comes with deciding about Jewel Lloyd, but I think we've we've laid it out pretty clear. If I'm there, 
I'm obviously we're not in that position of power, but if I'm in that position of power, I'm saying Lloyd's coming in after Sue and Sue can mentor her, but Sue also can mentor another young guard. That's just two two birds, one stone. I don't see why you don't do it. And that's pun intended. Yeah, I, the more we talk about it, um, again, if McCowan continues to just amaze for Mississippi State, you know, she's 6'7", so you definitely – it's going to be a tough call. And the Maria, Maria Vadiva as a project is going to be a tough call. Um, but, you know, I, I do think long-term, like, Stewart is going to be the anchor of the front court. And, and I feel like it's easy to – like – you can find like decent centers, you know, in the free agent market who can kind of play alongside Stewart. So to get a point guard for the future would just be Alexi Brown would be so critical. And I mean, Lloyd has kind of really turned into a scorer now. Um, so I, I mean, can she go back to that more facilitator role she played in college? I don't know. It'd be tough, especially when you see how well she can attack the rim and play in isolation. Well, yeah, and I, you said this earlier, and I was definitely thinking it, and I think it, it speaks volumes. This team has the ability to do a lot, if we're looking at this upcoming year based off who they have, a lot of things offensively and a lot of fun formations to make them attack. But can they push themselves from a bottom-of-the-league defensive team to a middle-of-the-pack defensive team to give their offense a chance to finally actually, you know, live up to higher potential and put them in a more secure spot in the playoffs versus like the last couple of weeks and basically needing to win out so that you can make it. Yeah, um, we were, I mean, we're 33 minutes in and we haven't even talked about Dan Hughes and, and that hire, um, you know, a lot of mix. Uh, we're not going to get into that now. I want to see, you know, what he right. does uh, in the draft and, and kind of get some more insight from him. I know there are some uh, interviews with him I heard are going to be coming out soon. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about him and kind of next time we cover this team, I think we're going to have to do a deep dive into his philosophy and whether or not we're trying to, you know, fit wrong shapes into wrong holes right here. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think we both expressed some skepticism about the hire, but I think like we pride ourselves on analyzing the game and what we see. And so I think it'd be unfair to judge him as the coach of the storm until we actually see them play. You know, he had success as a coach, you know, he, he's one of the, you know, the, he's the winningest coach in stars history, he took them to the finals, never did win a ring there, but you know, he does have an overall losing record for his career. And, and, and there's some, you know, rationale for that with rebuilds and stuff. So, you know, I think it was a meh hire cause I just tend to, my philosophy is more, to give a younger person a chance, especially give a female, a person of color. I mean, just to see a white male who's kind of had their opportunity get another chance, it's just not my favorite. It's nothing personal to Dan Hughes, just philosophically. But I think we owe him a chance before we start saying, oh, it was a terrible hire. Let's see what they do on the court. Oh, 100%. Completely with that. So, guys, remember, tune in next time we cover this team. We're definitely going to deep dive into that and figure out what makes Dan Hughes tick. All right, next team we got coming this week is the Phoenix Mercury. All right, this team, a little background on them if you're not aware. They have an all-time great in Diana Taurasi, arguably the GOAT, setting records here and there, and now every shot she makes is probably a new record. They have a player in their prime in um, Brittany Griner who's been balling out last year. Her stats are a little bit of a lie last year just because she did have an injury for a while, so her numbers are kind of cushioned from that. But she was playing lights out all season. I have my own issues 
with her challenging herself and playing to her best of ability because I think sky's the limit. She should be dominating this league. But this team last year basically had them two as the only turn back players from the year before. Now they have a few more players that have been on the team for a little bit. They added a ton of paint presence this offseason that left a lot of people scratching their heads. Eli, let's you know start in the shallow end before we, we get to the deep side. What's your initial take on them? I mean, they were able to make the playoffs. No one expected that to happen. They got past the elimination round. I think a lot of that had to do with playoff experience in their two stars and then a couple other players just having, you know, pops of games. What do you think about the Phoenix Mercury? Uh, and then we'll get deep. Um, I think they're right on the precipice of being contenders. And I know we got into a debate on Twitter with some other WNBA uh, fans and reporters, and that's great. You know, I, I love the conversation. Um, agree to disagree, but we just need more dialogue. Um I'm torn. For me, I left them. I know, you know, I know Ben Dull of the Summit feels they're a contender alongside Minnesota and LA. To me, I put them in tier two. And I think I, for me, I put them with Connecticut and Atlanta. I think because, I mean, when you have a force like Reiner and Tarazi and you have a coach like Sandy Brindello and you've won a championship and you're bringing back Dupree, I mean, this is a team that can easily get right back to that semifinals. Like, they're so savvy, veterans. Um, there's no doubt in my mind they can get to the semifinals, but I still put I still think that they're, you know, a cup below um, Minnesota and LA. And I think unfortunately, because they're more of a veteran orientation, I don't see their ceiling as high. You know what I mean? Like Connecticut is a team that, even though they lost to Phoenix in the playoffs last year, like they're just gonna get better and better because they're young. So I feel like they're a team where Maybe Phoenix is a slight notch above Connecticut today, but if we're talking about like who's a bigger threat to LA and Minnesota long term, I'd put Connecticut ahead of them because of their youth and and their higher ceiling to improve. So I feel like Phoenix is kind of like a high floor but lower ceiling team and that we know they're going to be really good and we know that they can compete with anybody in the playoffs, but I just don't think they have the youth and depth and scoring ability on the perimeter um, to really compete with Minnesota and LA in a five game series. Well, I think it's interesting what you said there. They're a better team today, arguably than Connecticut. But what I'm looking at is if we're talking end of the season, like that's another season under their belt. We've talked a lot about Connecticut and what they can do. And they're probably going to be featured on next week's podcast because we've, we've argued about that a lot in our own time. So we just got to get it out there on the airwaves. But with the Mercury, I just don't again I agree with you on this. Like their ceiling is a little bit lower. They're if they're in a one and done series, you can't bet against them, even if they're going up against a team like Connecticut, who I would argue is is arguably in that top tier with the Lynx and 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 the Sparks. I don't think Mercury, I think the Mercury is the is the team that's closest to getting on the level of the sun, but they don't necessarily have that ceiling because I'm saying to myself. Look what Connecticut can do. Connecticut, in my mind, is arguing for the number two spot. And you can say, in my book, if you're arguing Lynx or Sparks, you can argue either way, and I won't really disagree with you too hard about who's the number one team in a power ranking. And guys, we're going to have our power ranking debate on a a separate podcast. There'll be a short little just us debating our power rankings and why we think so coming up probably next week or this weekend. But 
When I'm talking Phoenix, I don't think they're on the level of Connecticut because Connecticut, I'm looking at them by the end of the year, obviously, barring injuries, they're a better team than the Mercury. Uh, in a one-game series, I can't say that, that like I, I would bet against them, but I think they're definitely a better, they're a worse team than Connecticut. I think we're kind of on the same page with that. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> it's better than uh, us ranting for a while on that because I've already gone for a little bit. But what are your thoughts on, on their signings in the offseason? I mean, re- getting Camille Little back, you know, you keep Yvonne Turner, uh, you make a few other moves to get the other Little, um, L-Y, and, and you get Bonner back. That's a, do you think the, their, their paint presence, I don't know, do you think it's like too many cooks? Well, you know, they're kind of doubling down on being this really good, you know, big team in the paint defensively with both Littles and Griner. And I mean, there are advantages to doing that. It's really hard to score on a team like that. And it's really hard to offensive rebound on a team like that. But I think what we saw against LA is like, you know, people were able to kind of play off Camille Little. And she had a couple of moments where she hit some shots. But by and large, teams could just play four on five and completely ignore her. And so I thought they needed to address having a stretch four. So I was a little surprised when they brought in Sancho, not because she's not a a good basketball player. She's really good. And, and, you know, maybe in some ways might even take that starting spot. But it felt like next to Griner, they needed somebody who can space the floor and guard on the perimeter because one problem is like when Brittany Griner has to come out and guard NECA on the perimeter or come out and guard Candace, then that allows Odyssey Sims and Chelsea Gray to go straight to the rim. And so I thought having a more athletic four who can shoot the ball on offense and then on defense play on the perimeter and allow Brittany Griner to just stay under the rim and alter shots. So I was a little bit surprised they didn't address that. I mean, do you think that having Bonner back kind of addresses that? Um, I mean, we'll have to see. Like, what's your take on the context? Because, I mean, it's been a while. And, I mean, you know, isn't she going to more so play the three? Yeah, I would think. But, you know, she's she's definitely a player that can get out there and she has flexibility. So, you know, she, it's not like she's small. She's yeah, six, four. She's a she's very lanky. big long guard and she can switch. And I like that, but, um, I think she'll definitely, you know, she's not going to, she's not the four. So I, 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 still think I don't think she's a starting four, but I think that she could be in on the four for right. a little My bit. My point is starting she Camille can... Little had some liabilities and I don't think okay. Sancho solves that. Well, I mean, I think it, it's kind of interesting that we're talking about Phoenix while we're talking about Seattle because I think Mercury also lacks somebody lack one of their one of their paint positions. But also, when it comes to the guards, there's a lot of question marks. You know, Leilani Mitchell came in last year and really played lights out and made a name for herself. When D Rob was supposed to get in there and really take the role coming in the offseason, they made that big signing. It was supposed to be a big role, a big a big addition to this team and she kind of fizzled out and didn't do much for the team and was just horrible offensively uh, looking at the stats, not to be an ass or anything. Um, what do you think, you know, what what's their main focus? All right, this is our biggest weakness. You know, with other teams, it's, it's a little bit more cut and dry. When you have someone who's so good like Brittany Griner, I, I agree with you. You need to keep her in the paint to use her to her best ability. I mean, looking... Go ahead. So do they... 
Yeah, no, go. No, 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 go. What do you Well, thought? I'm just looking at their roster, right? Like, you probably start Griner at the five, Bonner at the three, Tarazi at the one. And then and then that's therein lies the crux of their problems. They they don't have a lot of two-way players, right? We talked about that. They're great defensive players, can be liabilities on offense and vice versa, right? D-Rob can be a spark plug. He's not a great shooter. Lilani Mitchell is a really good shooter and I think an underrated defender, but she's 5'5". Five, five. So there's certain matchups that she's just a liability as far as size, you know? And then um, – yeah. Like we've already talked at the four, both Sancho Little and Camille Little, um, you know, really don't stretch the floor. And with Griner in there, it, it creates spacing problems. So I, that's my issue. They don't have a group of five that really maximize the spacing um, for their big three of Bonner, Griner, and Tarazi. Um, now, those three alone are, like I said, those three alone are good enough to get you to the semifinals of this league. But. Um, they, you know, when you look at the starting five of LA and Minnesota and how well they work together, this roster just has, you know, gaping holes. Hot take. Well, my, <laughs> well, I'll tell you a hot take. Diana Taurasi, not good on defense anymore. Um, and that's oh, been no, a huge weakness. She only that tries this team some of the had. time, which I don't blame her, but it's still exactly. a problem. It's a huge problem because the way that the roster is built is they, they're expecting Brittany Griner to play really well, which is going to happen 95% of the time. And that 5%, another hot take, is when she's going against the top five centers in the league. When she's going up against LA, Minnesota, Tina Charles, even when she's going up against you know uh, Washington, against EDD, she, if you look at when she plays against the top-tier talent against her in the league, and she doesn't just dominate them, and she's really challenged play in and play out, she has struggled. I've been extremely critical of her on this because I'm aware of how high the ceiling is for her. And I don't think she puts in, I don't want to say the effort, but she's not there each play. And other players know how skilled she is, and they know when they're going into these games, okay, I'm going to give it each game. And that starts to get into your psyche and say, I can take it to her each play, and eventually she's going to get pissed off. I think some of that, I don't want to say feeds off of Tarasi, but Tarasi has that attitude also. You know, she takes a couple plays off. I'm going to give it to her. She's arguably the GOAT. She also is lights out and takes so much of the weight on offense because they rely on her so much that she should be able to take plays off. They need the rest of their roster to step up so that their star players can, you know, someone like Tarasi who's getting up in years and is also on the end of her career needs to take time off. You know, she, she retired from overseas because she needs more time off. She needs to be able to heal, and her legs are getting up there. You need other players to step up. Leilani Mitchell can come in and, and you know, score some points. But if you have Leilani Mitchell and Tarasi, you know, Leilani's going to press the ball and get in your face from the get and still try and, like, poke the ball and make some scrappy plays. She's a really scrappy player uh, defensively and offensively. But, you know, is she a solid play in and play out? Because defender i i want your take on that kind of you know like i know she can make splash plays that kind of ignite the mercury do you think that leilani mitchell could be a solid play in and play out i think she's ideally coming off the bench i think like i think she's an excellent shooter a good spark plug but her size has some limitations and 
I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but I feel like in some ways this draft is like after obviously Asia Wilson would be the top pick, and then you have DeShields and Williams and Kelsey Mitchell um, as like other prizes. But I feel like after that, Phoenix picks eighth, and I feel like this is kind of becoming the Lexi Brown sweepstakes. I mean, she's she would just be perfect on this team. She's five nine, shooting forty percent from three at Duke. And it's just a bigger guard and someone who can learn from Tarazi as well and be another scorer and also will allow Tarazi to play the two. So again, they're another team that really and I think after eight it, it, it drops a little bit. I think after eight, nine it drops, but they could I mean they can make a significant upgrade just through the draft. Yeah, well that's my thought, and I think it's interesting to think about who they would draft, Lexi Brown, you know, a lot of teams are going to want her. She could be huge because, uh, you know, what I was thinking about with Leilani or with whoever they're going to play, you know, D-Rob has kind of been a disappointment. Is this the year that she kind of steps up? She was solid defensively. Let's not get that wrong. She was solid defensively. Her inefficiencies were on offense, um, which really caused them to say, okay, we need to get someone else in there, especially when uh, Tarasi was out with the injury last year. So, you know, getting a guard that then they could push DT to the two would be great if that defend if that person can be a solid defender and somebody on offense. Because if she can't, then it doesn't really matter. If they need someone who who has the ability to hold it on both sides. Exactly. They need two way players. And that's the thing. Like D Rob and, and Leilani Mitchell can play big roles on this team, but long, you know, to get them back to that title contending spot especially with Griner they need two-way players I think Lexi Brown can be that um and I think she can play the one or the two as Tarazi you know still has some gas left in the tank and then that solves some problems but I think like it, it goes back to the four situation though like again when Sancho or Camille are out there Griner will be double teamed every time and we saw what L.A. did to that, right? When you have Neca and Candace double-teaming her and leaving Camille a little open, and Sancho will be that same problem. So how are they going to fix that? And there's not a lot of stretch fours in this league, um, true stretch fours that can really shoot it. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a problem that they're going to need someone to step up into. I mean, do you think offensively Sancho Little did not really have good ratings last year? Um, I mean, that's why, that's you why LA that- is so good. You can't double Necker or Candace. Um, that's why, you know, it was so important for Brunson to improve her shooting. And you saw when, when LA did double fouls or put pressure on fouls, Brunson was good enough, not elite, but good enough on offense to step up in the finals and make LA pay for over, being overly aggressive on fouls. That's going to be Phoenix's biggest problem. When, Gr- when Griner's double team and they just have these liabilities out there, not just little, but even if like a D Rob's out there, now you can double on from a guard slot, you know, from the weak side. So you got to have two way players, or else teams can load up on Griner, and especially with Tarazi, you know, not playing as many minutes anymore and resting some games. Now you can really bring the house on Griner. Yeah, I mean. The- to me, that's what it is. It used to be when Griner was early on, when Griner first came to the team and Tarasi was still lights out. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to knock her or anything. 
She's not who she used to be, and that happens to all players. She's never going to be the same prime Diana. But when she first, when BG first joined this team, you couldn't, you know, having a lights out player, a, a great player around the rim, and a great lights out player outside of outside of the of the three point line, really made it like the teams had to start picking, you know, their poison kind of. And now when you know, DT isn't at that same top tier level. This team needs to reinvent itself to a certain degree. How are that? Do you think that it makes more sense? Is do you find somebody in this draft who could who could be a flex forward? I mean, I don't see it right now. Again, I, I have to do more tape. I mean, like Gabby Williams would be ideal, but she's not going to be available for them at eight. Um, Monique Billings is like a nice, you know, power forward center out of UCLA who can score and rebound, but she's not a three-point shooter. I think she's someone to look at because at least she can score. So maybe like if she's next to Griner, like while she's not a three-point shooter, at least she's somebody you can't just completely ignore. So I think it's a step in the right direction, but she's not, you know, like a Brianna Stewart who can really step out and knock down the three or even a Jonquil Jones who can – Knock down the three. But, you know, Billings at eight is someone to look at because she can score. But but to answer, there's no there's not like a clear answer there. Now, you know, I I let's talk to Sandy. You know, I'd be interested to talk to her on the pod because maybe maybe from their perspective is listen, there's not a lot of forwards in this league that are lights out three point shooters. So we're just gonna have a strategy of like we're gonna be impossible to score on in the paint. Right? You're gonna have to get through little and Griner, and that's just going to be really hard. And we're going to make teams have to, you know, shoot mid-range and floaters and all types of other shots. And they don't give up a lot of threes because they have D-Rob and Mitchell who can really pressure the ball. Yeah, I mean, look, when without looking at when – when you take a deeper dive into this team, I I start to be more hesitant uh, about my my – criticalness earlier on in the podcast and and kind of when someone asked me about my about the phoenix mercury my initial response is what i said in the beginning which is they're not on the same level as connecticut at the end of next season or at the end of this season so i don't consider them a contender i think it's between the top three teams and 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 arguably atlanta is a higher up than than mercury in my mind but when you look at them and you start thinking about how this team could operate how this team could work and they have a firecracker off the bench who can be really pesty and, and and get a few good shots, get the ball a little bit. This team starts to make me question my opinion. And I think that's something good going into the season, especially generally they're they're under the radar. You know, they, they have their name. They're one of the few teams besides the Lynx or, yeah, I mean, they're one of the few teams to win a, a championship in the past, you know, seven years besides the Lynx. So there's a lot to be said about that. Um the team did lose Monique Curry, who I thought was a really solid stopgap during the injury to DT. Um, I mean, I I, th- I really think it goes back to how they want to play it. Do you think? I think they're probably going to end up based off their offseason moves going for a Garden draft. Yeah, Curry. I mean, I I don't think the Curry loss is huge, just given the return of Bonner and the fact that they can add a guard in this draft that can contribute right away. Um, So, and I think, you know, in the playoffs, you need to be a little bit more versatile and athletic. 
and having Tarazi and Curry, um, you know, it, it's tough. It, like I think like our biggest takeaway with this roster is just it's a lot of – they have a lot of good defensive players that are offensive liabilities and it just kind of limits their ability to play a lot of them together. And they don't have a lot of combos that can match up with the elite of this league. Yeah, I mean, the, the team is definitely – or not the team, the league and and how teams have started to form has definitely shifted um, in a way that I think is going away from how this Mercury team plays. But I also think there's a lot to be said. Brundell is a great coach. You have some great talent on the team, and they could definitely be scary when you look at who's coming off the bench. I mean, if I'm thinking right now who's going to be my starter, if you're talking about starting five, obviously BG – at the at the five, uh, then one of the littles at the four. Uh, I I assume that they're going to stick with Camille. Maybe they'll move on over to uh to Sancho. Um, Neil Robinson's going to be in there on the starting. Uh, Shea Murphy's probably going to start getting some more minutes. I'd like to see that. I think she is an opportunity. She didn't get a lot of time last year. Um, she only had twenty eight possessions, but like, let her get out there. Let her get some chances. There's a lot of positive for her. I think this team has a lot of question marks as far as who they're going to start because Bonner's going to get out there also. So, I mean, right there, you're bait, that's your starting yeah. five, right? I Little. mean, look, Griner's getting better at passing out of double teams. Um, Bonner shot 33% in 2016 from three. Her career's at 30. She's not a lights-out three-point shooter, but she can knock it down if you leave her open. And I think that's something she should – you know, if she can give him. 33, 34%. is a phenomenal shooter. Leilani Mitchell's a phenomenal shooter. They had someone like Lexi Brown as a phenomenal shooter. Then I think that's, you know, kind of enough shooting around Griner. But again, they're going to have to figure out something with Little, Camille Little and Sancho Little. And, and I think Coach Brondello saw that and realizes. And she's a good coach. And I think there are things you can do when, when Griner's double team to, you know, Really put pressure on the basket. You know, make sure those players are by the basket. So if you double off them, you're giving up a layup. You know, there are things, some more things that can be done. But I think that's kind of a, a theme we'll see um, going forward. And kind of, they'll need to solve that if they want to push into the title conversation. Yeah, I think they definitely need to solve that if they want to push into the title conversation. I think they also need to... Kind of, well, all right, I, I just want to get this out there because people probably are sitting there thinking, oh, Arya hates, uh, Arya hates BG. She doesn't give her enough respect. She's an excellent player, and I don't think she's gotten, like, I don't think she's done growing and done getting better. I think this year, you know, it's kind of, they, they trusted her a lot more early on than what we saw in Seattle going on with Stewie because Diana Taurasi was still at a top tier and the Mercury basically put even playing field for both of them from the beginning. Just And obviously, I think BG, just because her size and her, her natural talent was a little bit different style, obviously a different style, but a different level where she could just come in there and be a dominant force in this league no matter what. And the real question is, is who's going to step up and continue to fill the role as Diana Taurasi takes a smaller and smaller role on this team? Who's going to be the person to hit a big shot for three? You can rely on DT to make a couple of those during the season, but this isn't, you know, four years ago. This isn't when they, when they won the championship. You can't expect her 
to just be the dagger that, I mean, I know as a Lynx fan, I hated Diana Taurasi because she made so many of those clutch shots that you knew that was the end of the game or you knew that was the signal to the end of the game. And she was that type of person to so many fans of so many teams that you just hated her because every time you knew it, they were down by two. Diana Taurasi got the ball and she starts driving to the paint and somehow you'd blink your eyes, she'd be shooting a three and, and win the game. that's why I think like getting Lexi Brown, a guard like that, um, or even Jordan Canada, UCLA, they need that next playmaker. You know, they need someone who's going to make plays. It's a guard. At the end of the day, basketball, you know, what, yes, the WNBA is a center's league, but the guards have to bring the ball up. Guards have the balls in their hand. And um, Bonner and Tarazi, there's only so much left you can rely on. They need a young guard of the future. They've got to get younger and more versatile. And I think Lexi Brown is is just perfect for that role. But, you know, I think for right now, they're still in a title window and um, they're just going to double down on their interior defense and really hope that that keeps them in games. And I think it, it definitely does. I mean, we even, even though the spark swept them, we definitely saw like they were able to slow them down. It's just very, it's hard to get on the rim, but what LA was able to do ultimately was drag Griner out of the paint and then they'd attack. Yeah. They, I mean, and I just think this is such an interesting team because they can really decide to go in different paths. Um, I'm looking at this is the part of time where we do fan questions. I got one here from Bobby Mercer, Bobby 24 Mercer uh, on Twitter. Uh, I guess he's an MC and avid sports fan. And he wants to know who's going to be the new person on the team. I think what he's implying based off this is uh, – I'm just trying to decipher based off the the tweet. It's a little bit hard to understand. But who's going to be the new DT? Who's going to be the one to make things happen? And then we kind of touched on that just now. So they need a new guard. And I think we have to look to the draft if we're this team. And and I think the reason you have to look to the draft is this team for, like, I mean, look at the roster right now. They have a couple of young people on them. But for the most part, I mean, they're a vet-savvy team. Now, that's one of their positives. And we talked about that earlier. That's one of their strengths. But you, you, need, you need to bring some youth to rejuvenate them. And I think a, a, a powerful guard, somebody who maybe could flow into playing a four, somebody who has a similar body type to Bonner, tall, lanky, and can stretch around. Yeah, it's going to have to come through the draft. I mean, we I already said who I like. We, you know, we, I think we already answered that. But, you know, they have the eighth pick. I think there are four, uh, like, four guards that not necessarily all of them will be great, but four guards that have that kind of starter to all-star potential, right? Um, Gabby, uh, I'm sorry, Diamond to Shields, Kelsey Mitchell, Jordan Cannon, and Lexi Brown. And I think, you know, picking eighth is no guarantee, but – you know, I think they have a good shot at getting one of those. Yeah, and I think, you know, in this in this draft, the first round is going to be players for each team. If picked right, because obviously someone could fuck it up, but, or, sorry, if picked right, you know, that could be a game changer for that team. Uh, folks, that's all we got now for this week's edition of WNBA Insider Podcast. Again, I'm Aria Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz. This was another week of a deep dive into each WNBA team. Join us next week 
Well, we're going to break down two more individual teams. Follow us on Twitter at WNBAinsider.com. And Eli, what's your Twitter handle? Coach Horowitz13. That's H O R O W I T Z. And guys, don't forget, we're on iTunes. Probably if you're listening on this or for Android, you can download it on the website. It's WNBA Insider, no E.com. Have a great night and send us your questions. We want to hear from you.